Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And thank you for tuning in to the latest edition of the Toffee Web Podcast. It's the evening of Thursday, the 16th of February, as we record with an Anfield derby to forget as quickly as possible in the rearview mirror and a clash with Leeds at Goodison Park looming fast ahead of us, a game that could be massive in terms of Everton's attempts to rescue themselves from the drop this season. On the intro there, we played the goals from last year's game with Leeds at Goodison, and that was played in very similar circumstances to this weekend's game. It was Frank Lampard's second home game, as this will be for Sean Dyche, and it came on the heels of a disappointing away performance at Newcastle. 
Of course, Lampard's Everton played Marcelo Bielsa's leads off the park that day, and we all thought, much like a fortnight ago against Arsenal, that the corner had been turned and the brighter days were ahead. Monday's Anfield derby may not have gone according to plan, but the road to salvation really begins against Leeds on Saturday, and there's the prospect that a victory would lift the Toffees out of the bottom three with another home game against Villa to follow on Saturday week, which would definitely lift the spirits in a big way after Monday's result. I'm Lyndon Lloyd, joined by Paul Trail, Al Breckland and Andy Howard. Uh, Andy, you were able to be on either the Derby preview or reaction show. So uh, what were your immediate thoughts on the defeat to Liverpool and uh, have they changed with a couple of days to reflect on the match? Yeah, I did well to avoid that, didn't I, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for the first 30 minutes of the, of the Derby, I was relatively content with what we were trying to do and what the game plan would be, um, which was obviously to contain, is to stay compact, and to try and get the ball to stick in their half when we could. Um, and albeit it, it didn't have the, the the kind of zest of the Arsenal game at all at any point, but I could see, and I, I could see what was what, what the plan was, and I was relatively content with what we were doing. And I remember when we got the corner, I remember thinking, God, you know what? If if we could score now, mm-hmm. this this plan would really kick into action. We we could see a, a one of those derby days when it all goes well. And and it's it's very easy to say with the with the width of a post away from from doing something and of course the 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 hour after that didn't paint that picture at all. But goals do change games to 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 put a cliche in there. And I do think it would have been such a different game if that ball had not hit the post or if we'd made more of the rebound which I think we should have. Um from then I mean, it was like it was the fastest slow motion 20 seconds of the season so far when you just knew what was going to happen afterwards. But I did think that first 30 minutes, um, I I, I wasn't even that bothered by Ellis Sims' performance. I thought, well, every now and again, he is bringing the ball under control. Every now and again, he's winning a header. There's not many people up with him. But I was kind of, I could see the bigger picture. I thought this is a relatively mature performance we've got here. You know, Coleman won his first battle with Nunez on the on the on our right there left. I thought, okay, well, I can I can kind of I can live with this. Um, from there, obviously, uh, it, it it was poor. Um, uh, and I, I'm, I know you guys chewed that fat on uh, whatever night it was this week, um, straight after the derby um, on Monday night, and. Um, but until that point, and, and and that thirteen seconds or whatever it was, changed that game ir- irretrievably from our point of view. Um, I just think if if the ball had gone in off Tarkovsky's head, we could be sitting here now going, "Wow, this week under Dyche or this two weeks under Dyche has gone so well, unbelievably well." You know, it could have been a point. It might have even been better. And I just think that the, the shift in that moment. Um, was really unlucky. Uh, it was poor on our part as well. And I know you've gone over what Pickford was doing and taking a foul and whatever else should have happened for both goals. Um, but I do think that moment could have could have painted the game in such a different way. Um, we were on the wrong side of it, as we always are at Anfield. Um, and by the end, I, I think I kind of shared your 
when, when I heard you talking the other night about it, it was kind of it wasn't even an anger. It was a it was a kind of slumped acceptance of where we were that night and the fact that we could have still been there now, really. And it wouldn't have been any different, any better. Um, but it wasn't an anger. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm staying positive. I, I think it's, it, again, another cliche that's been rolled out a lot this week. Um, and I've heard a lot of Evertonians say it. If we were offered three points from the two games, we would have happily taken that. Um, and I think we've just got to see the positive. Um, and we don't have to go to Anfield again this season. Um, and because on the flip side of our Everton coin, you know, on the flip side of our coin, they were always going to be better than what they had been for the last month or two in that game. It was quite an easy reset tool for them that game, I think. You know, turn up, home crowd, Merseyside derby. If you if you get this 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10, you'll probably beat them and it'll be a reset. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm staying positive. I think three points from those two games is a really good return, one I would not have expected. And um, and, and I'm able to see the bigger picture, I think. And Gakpo was always going to score. It was yeah, nailed on. <laughs> Cody Gakpo was going to score. Um, I, I've, yes, with my two days reflection or three days or whatever it is, um, I've come to more or less the same realization that, that had that goal gone in, I think with the game plan would have worked and everything would have been, uh, well, not, not would have been, but could have been um, very different. Uh, L, any, anything to add uh, based on your kind of, marination of things in your brain since yeah. the game yeah i think the position in your season's not going to be not going to you know come to fruition at anfield is a it's 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 you know i i i would never call a game a free hit but it's these games coming up now for me that you know if they if it doesn't go well i will be disappointed then oh well i'll be more than disappointed i'll be absolutely petrified um so it's where we're at hopefully in the future, you know, that the Anfield derby will mean something again. But right now, it's just, it, it's gone now. And, um, yeah, and it, it is, it's, as I've said, it, the manager is what I'm most positive about in terms of Everton staying in the division. Um, but it, it, it still worries me that if Dominic Calvert-Lewin isn't fit for the majority of these games, that's that's the real issue. And that's what we saw at Anfield that... Um, I just think the Anfield derby sort of summed up where all, the the fact that all three strikers have been hindered by the by the by the last transfer window because obviously the January transfer window's gone now, but it's still going to rear its head each time there's there's an issue with the setup. And I feel that you know in an ideal world, Ella Sims is still at Sunderland developing, um, and it's up to Sean Dyche really to look and see can Ella Sims and Neil Moore play play in a two. And will our midfield still be strong enough if that's how he goes? Because I think Neil Morpé, he needed either Dominic Cavalier alongside him or a new centre forward with experience. And so that that's where. So for me, it's it's sort of the flip side that with Sean Dyche's manager and the way he set the team up, and I agree with Andy that I can see a plan. That's something that I feel very very positive about. But then the the negative side of me is that forward line and how you know. Modern football, you defend from the front, don't you? You need your forwards to be to be working hard and, and closing down. And that's just where I feel that we are really weak at the moment. And that's that's my worry. It's, you know, it, will Deitch's managerial ability negate the 
the lack of options up front or will the lack of options up front really harm what Deitch is trying to do? Because, uh, you know, as we've just said, if that goal goes in at Anfield, then it's a different story. But how many games, if we don't have those strikers, you know, how many points are we going to get if we're only able to score one goal, two at a push? Um, so that that's where I'm at at the moment. It's just that there's a lot of pressure on Dominic Calvert-Lewin just to be on the pitch, never mind putting a performance as well. Um, and I, do, I, do, I just feel that that's... We're in a bit of a sticky situation in that, and if he if he's fit and he can play like twelve of the sixteen games, I'm confident that we we finish fourteenth, thirteenth, even. If he's not available, I just worry about where the goals are coming from and how Deitch can set up his team and where we can get that from. He's um <clears throat> he's right though, and um we need him ready for like you know not just back for a game, then out for a couple of games. If it takes four games to get him right, say, you know what I mean? And then, then obviously it's worth it. It's it's incredibly frustrating, Dominic, isn't it? Um, it's, um, again, more frustrating that he, that he didn't resolve this and that we've known this and we're going over all ground again. And it, the more, I, I said it the other week, but the more I think about it, the more I don't understand why it didn't happen. That, that like they, they really should have sacked Lampard sooner. And the with Gordon... Before, uh, long before Chris Wood went to Nottingham Forest, that was surely an opportunity to be saying, "Okay, you can have Gordon, but give us Chris Wood the other way." For you know, what I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm surely if, if, if Sean Dyche was there, and I'm not saying blimey, Chris Wood, he's the be all and end all, you know, what I mean, but certainly bloody doing right now, you know, and that, that it just seemed like would have been like so simple to do, you know, what I mean, that's a, that's a first, that's really, it's it's only like in hindsight, kind of after all this windows closed, it's really left me really, really, really frustrated. Um, we could have done with Andy on Monday uh, night. That was way more positive than what we could uh, than what we could muster on Monday. So uh, thanks, Andy. That that was that was good. Um, even if McNeil would have just uh, from the rebound just hammered that ball into Rosette, that would have done probably. And yeah, and, and then we're back in the regrouping. You know, it was a, a strange strange effort of his from there. But um, not that I want to blame him for the defeat because he was probably one of the better players on on the night really. And uh, Yes, it's frustrating. As I said before, the game at Leeds United was the bigger match. It was the bigger game that we, you know, that, that that's the must-win one. It was some for the three at Anfield, some somewhat. Doesn't mean it's any more this uh, any less disappointing. But um, yeah, that's obviously still the case. Leeds United is the is the big game. I think the the, the Everton Liverpool derby always brings extremes, and it brings extremes of emotion. It brings extremes of drama sometimes it but especially for us fans i think we tend to be either extremely high or extremely low and there's no middle ground after a derby and which is understandable you know that that's it's what it is but i think in our position we've kind of got to try and get down or up off that extreme low um yes they beat us. Yes, they beat us again. Yes, we've all seen that episode before. We you know that, that all those things are true. But in our in the context of where we are at the moment, I hate to say it, but it's a it's a two nil defeat against a better team away from home. Um, like El said, it's not really going to decide our season. I mean, it, well, if we'd won, I mean, it might have kind of propelled us on, and you never know. In two or three weeks, this might all been a, a distant memory. But I don't think it is. I think realistically, it's one of those that he's had another look at the players. He's tried a couple of extra things. He's had another match without Carver Lewin to work out maybe Sims on his own is not the answer. You know, it, it's it, there's all good information in the bank there, and I think in our context we've kind of tried. 
I mean, I saw social media afterwards and the rest of this week, and it was all of a sudden Everton were now <laughs> the, the the pit of all despair again. Um, where against us after Arsenal, it was like, hey, we're we're a good football team all of a sudden, and you know, I think the extremes of uh, we've got got to try and try and put it into context. That's all I would say, and and maybe not being on the pod the other night has helped me do that a little bit in terms of um, <laughs> you know just having a little bit of distance, but yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's understandable. It, it, a, it's the derby. No one wants to lose the derby, and I think, you know, particularly as we went in there, feeling as though they were there to be had a little bit, and you know, the way that we performed against Arsenal with the, you know, the uh, the high that we were on, I think it was a, um, it was a, it was a harsh sort of. Um, I think as, as we said on the night, it was a harsh harsh sort of coming back down to earth with a bump. Yeah, I think the uh, the, the the concern really is around this new manager bounce thing and this fear that it might only be one match this time. I don't think so. I think I'm, I'm with you, Al. I, I have more confidence in Sean Dyche than I would in practically any other manager just because, you know, he's, he's been here and done it before. Um, so, yeah, I think the, um, the manner of the performance was disappointing. I think just because we'd come out of the Arsenal game with such... Um, on such a high and having seen them play so well that just that just that lack of intensity that we saw that we talked about on Monday night. Um, and I think in some ways it's part of a, a deeper psychological issue. The success of Everton teams have had at Anfield, which clearly weren't expunged by that win uh, in front of an empty house two years ago. Um, but moving the thoughts ahead to, to Leeds, um, which I, my fear about this one is that it just takes on such a um, such importance that there's too much riding on it almost. Um, I'm hoping that sort of Deitch is going to get the uh, the players at least in the right mindset. But uh, yeah, so given that one of the most unsettling things uh, about the derby was that ab- that absence of Calvert Lewin, um, even though I agree with, with what Adam said actually on the post match post match podcast that even I think even DCL would have struggled the way that we played. Um, that night, but it seems very much as though we will be will be preparing for Leeds without DCL, based on Sean Dyche's comments in his uh, press conference today. Paul, I'll come to you on this one. Who should start up front? Uh, does Sims deserve another crack on home turf with a sympathetic crowd behind him, or is it better bet Mope or Gray with their uh, greater experience? I personally say Neil Mope. Um, I thought Neil Mope should have started the derby. Actually, I just thought it was a bit too asking a lot of Ella Sims. I can yeah. understand being Andy you were saying on the um, on the group. Well, well, at least the other players, if you play Sims, they don't really have to do anything different to what was the uh, they did against Arsenal. But I, I got that point too. I just I just like seeing Neil Mope be given a bit of a crack. I suppose if you think back to um, it was actually was it just before we did we just draw at home to Forest maybe and then. Uh, uh, or was it a draw away at Brentford? I think it was actually, and it's like, oh, we've signed Mope. He's going to be. I think they actually say he's gonna, he's in the squad for next uh, for the Leeds game, unbeknown that they hadn't actually registered him in time, um, so he couldn't actually play. So it was actually that was oh, actually against right. Leeds United. I'd forgotten that. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, but we um, and they were injured. Oh, I'm gone. But it was bank holiday. Blah blah blah. So I don't. Know, I can't believe they couldn't get us sorted. But it's Everton. Of course he couldn't. Um, <laughs> the but yeah, I mean, I mean. We were crying out for striker then, so bad. And then he finally came in in the Merseyside derby and did, did pretty well. And he had a, a couple of good games, didn't he? He scored a great goal against West Ham to win as the game. And um, 
And then they just seemed to go mad, didn't they? I mean, obviously Dominic Cavallo and started to return, and they just, they just never seemed to ever want to use Neil Mopey the same way as they did in them few games. And at the start of the season, when they didn't have anyone, they were just thinking, okay, well, Franco and Pop was thinking differently. If, okay, well, we've got to keep it on the deck, and we'll, we'll try Gordon up front, we'll try Damari Gray, and so I just I don't I don't buy this that Sean Dyche can only play with a big. With a big, big target man up front. Sure, he's he's been man the block enough to have been without his target man at times and have to find other ways of doing it. Um, and I'm hoping he's a good scrapper. He get you know he gets stuck in. I think if he's given half a chance, he'll. Um, I mean, half a chance in a game, not in front of goal. I don't fancy him in front of goal with half a chance as such. But I think he can bring others into the game quite well. He can hold the ball up pretty well. Um, I'd like to see him start. Um, and then I'd like to see Damari Gray come into the team. I think um, I'd probably like us to maybe go with that three that we all thought would be the dream ticket of Anana, Gay, and the Wobi. But I thought uh, Frank Lampard used them so so strangely by the end. Really, um, the core hasn't done a lot wrong. I just think that with at home, we need to find a different way to attack and score and get some more positive players. And we're not going to get any lack of effort from Wobi in the middle. I think them three in the middle might work quite well. And then with um, uh, uh, Dwight McNeil and uh, Damari Gray on the flanks, that's probably the way I'd I'd look at going about it and get more attacking-minded players in there. But an actual out-and-out attacker up front, that's probably the what that's probably what I do. Yeah, I think for me, I think for me, it, you know, hindsight's a great thing. And when when Dyche actually selected Sims to play up front, I was I was all for it because I thought, well. He's using the player, which will seemingly fit his system the best. But now after that, I think I agree with Paul that I would go with more pay. But I think the key thing is we've got to get bodies around him. And I think that's what won us the Arsenal game. Um, there was a moment when the wide players were very wide and then I think there was a free kick put in. And I think it was pointed out on match of the day as well that Sean Dyche and his coaching staff you know, asked the wingers to come to come in closer to the attacker. And I think that was what led to sort of the, the run of corners we had and it sort of changed the game, I felt, and really put Arsenal under the cosh. So for me, it would be, I think I would like more paying sort of Damari Gray as a sort of second striker buzzing round. And I think it would be McNeil and um, probably a Wobi out wide, which I know it's not his best position, but I think that gives you the structure still. And then it, it, it's, I think, you know, that would leave only two in the middle, I guess. But it, whoever play, you know, if it's Decore or Anana, I think I'd be telling them to get forward as well. And I think I think Decore, his best position is actually the furthest forward central midfielder because I think he's, although he's not the greatest on the ball, I think he does have quite quick feet and he can, you know, he's not scared to have a go from distance and stuff like that. So I think for me, with with the with not having Calvert Lewin there, I think it's. Neil Morpe, but we've got to get bodies around them to to help so that, you know, those second balls as well and, you know, maybe when crosses get headed out that there's there's bodies there to put it back in. So that is the way I'd be going with it, for, I think. I'd agree. Um, I, I would play more Mopey um, from the start. Uh, and I know I was the one on the group saying that the Ellis Sims decision was right. And I think actually I, I could, uh, that's because I could completely see why he chose to go down that road for the Derby and it left the other 10 players doing what they were doing. And he had to just concentrate on one really. Um, but I would just, just put Mope in for Sims. I would keep the three man midfield as it was. Um, 
and I would keep uh, McNeil and Awobi wide. Um, and I think Mope, since Daesh has been there, which we haven't got much of a sample to go off, but it's been the Mope I think we thought we were getting. Uh, and I don't know what happened under Lampard at the end, but I would, I'd quite fancy him to, to be able to fight up front on his own with the right support. And I think that's the then got to come from the three in midfield. I think personally, from kind of emptying out that three-man midfield and maybe leaving it as two against Leeds who move the ball quickly, I, I don't know whether we might see that, that Everton midfield chasm open up again. Um, especially to start with, I wouldn't want us to concede an early goal, for example. Um, and then, you know, especially with Calvert-Lewin not in the team, it's, it feels a bit more uphill. Um, I don't know whether that's me being too kind of too cautious, really. But um, I, I again, I think he's got a good sample of everybody else on the pitch now. So I would keep the other 10 the same and um, and put Mope in for Sims and just see how he gets on on his own with the right support around him, which going on the Arsenal game will be Decore one minute and Anana the next minute. Um Let's see. Let's see. And and the and crosses into the box will have to be judged at the right time, rather than just slinging it in there because you know you've got Carvet Lewin to to attack it. We're going to have to be a little bit more um, choosy about when to put the ball in the box. But it, it, again, if Onana or Decore end up arriving late, then it might be a you know a decent ploy anyway. I haven't seen too much of Leeds under well, since Marsh has gone, so I don't really know whether they've changed an awful lot because they've they've had two good performances pretty much against United, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they don't seem to have changed very much. Um, you know, they play on the deck quite a lot, um, so it's obviously going to have to be important to to defend well and and to keep those spaces that you were talking about, Andy. You know, um, closed and uh, and compact. Um, and I, I agree, actually. I think it's it's nice to have um, it's nice to have those midfield options. I'm, I'm torn between thinking that Damari Gray should be in the side versus him being really the only difference maker that we could bring on from the bench. Um, you know, if, if if we need to in the second half, that's that's kind of my dilemma around him. Um, but uh, there's there's also in terms of changes at the back, perhaps. Um, I'm thinking because I'm seeing increasing concern uh, voiced over Vitaly Mikalenko's performances. Um, Connor Cody's looked a little suspect in recent weeks, um, although both players played really well against Arsenal. So it's again, it's one of those ones where it's difficult to judge. Um, I do wonder if Deitch might try Yeri Mina at some point, given how reliant uh, we might be on set pieces now without Calvert-Lewin. And Ben Godfrey's athleticism could be a real asset as well. So do you... What do we think? Should, should should he make changes at the back or do we stick with what we have and see how they perform against Leeds? It's a tough one, that, isn't it? Um, I'd like, I wouldn't be adverse to changes at centre-back. I, I don't think I've ever really covered, covered themselves in glory at Anfield, particularly Cody, I think, defensively was poor. Tarkovsky, uh, like, he headed a lot of balls out and, you know, as, uh, defensively he wasn't bad, but how many times did he give the ball away? That was, that was insane. Like, I couldn't believe how many how many times he surrendered possession. Like, mm-hmm. in, in ridiculous circumstances as well. It was a bit obscure, but, okay, you're not going to get that from Tarkovsky every week. So, I think Tarkovsky's probably safe. I think he's, he, he's in the team. There's probably a bit of a question mark on Cody. 
Um, I, I, I always somewhat come back to it. Michael Keane just shakes me as the because he's worked with Dice before and he knows him very, very well. I wouldn't be surprised to see if he's in. He's, he was on the bench, wasn't he? Uh, the other day, it wouldn't be surprising to me if he was in there. And a mate in work said to me actually the, at the day after the derby, um, why didn't he stick? Why didn't he give Godfrey a game perhaps instead of Coleman at right back? Knowing he was up against uh, mm-hmm. Nunes and yeah, Coleman didn't do too bad, but you know he's got a lot more pace, a lot more aggression. There might have been more handy coming forward perhaps. So maybe that's an option. But then obviously losing Coleman's leadership. Then I don't know what he'll do with Mikalenko. I thought he like for the second half he did a did a pretty pretty good job defense defensively on on, on most Salah most of the time. But you obviously nothing going forward at the moment, really, um, which is a bit of a shame. And somebody, I think it was on the Blue Room podcast, somebody made the point that he didn't half get sucked over for that goal, didn't he? When he had to sort yeah. of stay central, and I didn't think about that at the time. It wasn't until it was mentioned. Now Pickford's obviously at fault, um, but he's coming out to try and deal with the situation because he had to make a decision somehow. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it, don't get me wrong, it's a Pickford ever, but. Yeah, Mikelenko holds his ground in the middle. He's still in a tough position, but he made it very, very simple for for Nunes to, to pick a pass there. Really, didn't he? Um, he's a, he's become a bit of a whipping boy, hasn't he, Mikelenko, a little bit, and um, at least on social media and stuff. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if maybe pulling him out of the team might not be the worst thing for a couple of games. Perhaps for him mentally, I'm not so sure. We've seen he can be a good player. I don't know. They're all things Sean Dyche has to figure out, but. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a change at centre back with Michael Keane, Yerry Mina. Yeah, both can be good options, I think, um, rather than Conor Cody. So that might happen. That's probably the only thing I can see changing. Yeah, for me, I, th- I think Ben Godfrey is the sort of the answer. I don't really know what the question is, but I think Ben Godfrey is the answer. Because <laughs> um, I, ju- I just think he's got that energy and that athleticism. Um, and he- he's had a- quite a strange Everton career because the first sort of season, he was really rated and then he's just had a bit of, he hasn't had a settled time in the team really, he's been in and out, he's always the man that has to make way to sort of play it in a different position, but I think for me, I'd probably put him in at right back, because um, I think with Mikalenko, I think when you're at home and you can be a bit more solid, I think until the last month or two, he was always like a 7 out of 10 player, I thought he was just really defensively, just very consistent, but it's almost like I jinxed him because I started to say that <laughs> to more and more people. And he sort of, this he has been a bit suspect recently, but I feel like at home to Leeds, I think he can he can get back on track. And I think it'd be the right side where I put Godfrey in. I think just because of that energy, and I think we miss Nathan Patterson's energy. So mm-hmm. I would like to see that back in there because I think, yeah, I think that just that forward running, because I think Coleman sometimes... You know, obviously he's getting older now, but I think even just his general play, I think he's more inclined to turn back and pass to his centre back. Where I feel like Patterson and Godfrey are more direct and more, more really forward thinking and run with the ball. Um, so that's where the difference is for me. And really, I, I would like to take Cody out the team, but it's just Yerry Mina's fit. You know how how long will Mina? will mean a last because, you know, it sounds horrible talking about players' injuries, but, you know, I know fans do have a bit of a laugh about, like, it's almost like bingo, isn't it? What minute will he go off? <laughs> and, you know, that's terrible because, you know, this is a footballer's career. He must be devastated not to be able to to contribute, but it is at the stage now where, you, you in this situation, you can't start him because you're already almost giving up a, a substitution. 
So mm. it, I think for me, yeah, I think, like I say, Godfrey is the answer. Maybe at centre-back, maybe at right-back. But we, I think we definitely need to see a change just just to give uh, like a freshness to the team as well under the new manager, just so the manager can assess things as well. I don't know what I think, but I know what I think Sean Dyche will do, and I don't think he'll change a thing. Um, I think he will stay with the tried, trusted... Um, well, I say trusted. The, the tried combo of, uh, of Coleman, Tarkovsky, Cody and Mikolenko. Um, for their experience, I would say. Um, and if you take that back forth from the Arsenal game... And again, we talk about these extremes of all of a sudden it's a bad back four, where after Arsenal, all of a sudden it was a good back four. Um, I think Cody's mistake was plain weird. I mean, I don't, I mean, I manage a Sunday league team, and if one of them did that, I'd be thinking, what on earth are you doing? Um, <laughs> it was just a str- such a strange mistake that I don't, I, I think we can almost dismiss it. Um, I, I, I'd be inclined myself, and I think Sean Dyche will will, will just go in unchanged. Um, I can understand Godfrey's energy might be of use against Leeds, but uh, disrupting an early dis, disrupting um, the message at this point, I don't know. I don't know whether he'll just think, well, those are the guys that have done it so far. This is these are the way, this is the way we've been working. I should at least give it three games, you know, um, to, and also take into account that he's had two difficult fixtures so far when the defence will have been under pressure quite a lot. Um, yeah. And more often, than not, one of them. more often than not, they've done OK, haven't they? I mean, if you, it sounds daft, but if you take away the strange Cody error. It, the, the back four Tarkovsky's distribution the other night was dreadful, but I, I don't know quite where that came from either. Um, I think you've almost got to dismiss what you saw at Anfield the other night and go with the same four, to be honest. And it's possible that's what Deitch will do, you know, thinking that having seen the Arsenal game, um, yeah, maybe, maybe looking for that third sample being the third match, you know, to kind of make a, a determination either way. Um, Tarkovsky's had a couple of moments this season where he's just completely lost the plot and, and just given it to the opposition like three times in a game. And you, you do wonder um, for someone of his experience. And again, Cody's experience too. You you would think that a player of his, you know, the level that he's played and the amount that he's played, that, that, that to not have the awareness that there's a player behind you to then let the ball go under your foot was... Uh, was an odd one, but it, yeah, I, I think. I mean, to be honest, if, even if there's not a player behind you, you don't let the ball go. I mean, yeah, and, uh, unless you've got a hugely positive shout from the goalkeeper very, very early on. Yeah, as a, as a centre half, I am never letting that ball run in there. Um, yeah. I, I just, you know, with, with that mistake and the Pickford one, they were so weird that I, I just think <laughs> I just think you've got to dismiss them as, you know, strange things. Yeah. Everton at Anfield. That's, that's what it was, yeah. basically, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, we're uh, as Ellie was saying that where things just don't bounce our way. You know that <laughs> the, the ball comes off the post, and then Dwight McNeil's whatever he was doing that follow up that then comes off a leg and bounces to Liverpool instead of us. It's just yeah, as you were saying, one of those, one of those things. 
Whatever we do with the right back, though, I think we've got to be very wary of Leeds uh, left wingers. It Wilfred uh, Gononto, Nonto, I'm not too yes, sure pronounces yeah. surname, but he's looking electric and he is rapid. Mm-hmm. He's got he's got all all the tricks. He's a very good player. Um, by far Leeds biggest Leeds United's biggest threat, as far as I can tell, at least. So that's a dilemma as well. So it's all all good saying, oh, we can get that energy of Godfrey. Is is he? A secure right back because most times I've seen Godfrey at right back. A lot of time I felt I feel he's strong. He does a lot better at left back, strangely, mm-hmm. for the right footer. He seems to gallop down the left quite, quite, quite well. Well, at right, at right, I always, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm overlooking some good performances. I just see in, in my head I've got it that he's that he struggled a bit at right for some reason. He's been okay at centre back on 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 occasions, on 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 plenty of times, but right back, I don't know. It's on the face of it, it seems like it, it, it should be should be a perfect fit there. He's you know he's uh, he's aggressive, he's muscular, he gets forward well, but I don't know, it seems to struggle there sometimes. So I don't know if he uh, if that would be a poor move defensively would uh, to get the better of him. Whereas Coleman, many a time you thought, oh god, he's going to be too slow. He's going to be is he going to struggle? And he and he stands up. He's, you know he, he he stands up, Coleman, doesn't he? He's <clears throat> always makes sure that the uh, the winger. Is in a game, you know what I mean, and, and he did he did all right against Nunes to be fair, given how much, given the speed of Nunes at least in the first half. Um, so um, yeah, I don't know whether Coleman, Coleman might get the nod there just for that alone, I suppose, just for that experience of dealing with you know dealing with uh, defenders like that, he might just have a bit more, perhaps a bit more know-how than Ben Goffey. No, it's just massive, isn't it? It's just massive yeah. Saturday. It, it, it yeah. takes me back into the mind of some of those at the end of last season when, you know, the likes of the Chelsea match and, you know, the, those games at Goodison, we just had to win. Um, well, I suppose I suppose this far out, is it is it a don't, definitely don't lose? Or are we thinking this is a must win? Oh, it's a definitely don't lose. But I think it's also we have to win. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> because we are, we're running out of matches and we have some difficult ones to come and ones that, that yes, we perform better against the better teams sometimes, mm-hmm. but some of these are away. I mean, they're at Old Trafford, ones at the Emirates. Um, you know, we, we could look at, at a match like Spurs at home and think, yes, if we play the way we did against Arsenal, we can get something out of that one. But then we've got, you know, we've got tricky ones at Leicester, at Forest. Um, Brentford at home is going to be no picnic. So it's, we need to start getting wins on the board now. If only just to relieve that psychological pressure, you know, of being in the bottom three and, and sort of mm. always always checking the results of other teams and, and praying for goals here and there. It was, you know, it just takes you back to watching Burnley games last season, doesn't it? It's just, I don't want the stress yeah. again. <laughs> I think for me, it's, it's more for the fans, I think, in terms of the psychology of it. I think the players and the managers yeah. just crack on regardless yeah. and, you know, the professional. But if, if the worst was to happen on, on Saturday... All of a sudden, leads to four points above, and that's two games that we have to be better than them to get mm-hmm. above them again. Whereas if we win, it's suddenly oh, you, you know, you can see everything out that drop zone. So for me, it's more about the fan base and how we we help the players get over the line. All of a sudden, yeah, it's that, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. It's that having that energy to to keep the team going because we, you know. There was it, it took a lot last season, um, and so I think yeah, I think this is the one where you know we we've thrown away Southampton, Leicester, Bournemouth, Wolves, uh, the West Ham as well. It, it was them five, which I think I tweeted the other day that 
every Saturday those games are going to linger like a bad smell <laughs> because mm-hmm. you, you you just you just see those teams winning again, and all of a sudden when you look at the table, you know as it stands, Everton just needs to get those wins now to because otherwise it, it is quite scary to look at the table. And actually, I suppose we can if if we go and beat Leeds, you know they're without a manager, mm-hmm. they don't seem to be able to. Uh, you know, get anybody really that has been on their shortlist. Um, you you could start or continue the downward trend for them, couldn't you? You know, you, you, if you if if you were in Leeds' yeah, position, yeah, yeah. having yeah. lost at Goodison yeah. without a manager, yeah. you know it, that that's a tough scenario. And that, that that's why I think the Forest game is massive as well. That they've got a you know a, a bit of a defensive um, issue at the minute, and I think if we can go there, beat them as well. You know, you would hope that, you know, I think Willie Bolly's out for three months. Um, Scott McKenna's out for eight weeks. So, you know, we can go there when they're a bit depleted and hopefully get the upper hand so that it's back in our hands. And then, you know, Leeds and Forest would hopefully continue to struggle. So it's it's Leeds and Forest, which are massive. And I think, I think Villa and Brentford as well for me, because of those five games that we've missed over, you know, since Christmas, the next four, well, as well as Arsenal away, they're just huge, and I think it. I think it really is make or break because I just think those four games, if if the worst was to happen, I just think that gap becomes too great because of the teams we're losing to. Yeah, and you were saying something similar before the the uh, the World Cup, if I yeah. recall, like uh, the Bournemouth coming mm-hmm. up, and was it Leicester? Yeah. Um, and yeah, them games. Are, they, you, you're right. Them them games coming up are really really important. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, yeah, must must win game for me. Um, yeah, caretaker manager. Just just a bit bit like hearted for a second. Here, Harry Redknapp uh, seems to be throwing his hat in the ring for the uh, for the Leeds United job, and uh, see Harry Redknapp coming back and uh, avenging his uh, his nephew's sacking would uh, would be something, yeah. wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> and also, I just find it completely mad that Southampton have uh, been knocked back by Jesse Marsh. I just find absolutely nuts that they were even in for Jesse Marsh. So like it's. Um, I'm glad we're not in their positions of scrambling around for managers. You know, I mean, you know, as we have spent money then sacked, you know, Lampard, that would have been nuts as well, wouldn't it? We should have done definitely know that about that. But um, yeah, to be scrambling around for the manager now, to be scrambling around for Jesse Marsh and not getting him now, well, that's got to be really worrying for Southampton. So hopefully we can, um, you know, we've got a manager who knows what he's doing. There's no real doubt about that. So um, let's hope that them are. Uh, yeah, that 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 shines on the pitch against the caretaker, against the novice, essentially on on Saturday, and uh, yeah, let's do it. I allowed my mind to just wander the other day and consider Frank Lampard taking the Leeds job, and how utterly strange that would be <laughs> to be in a in a relegation battle against Frank Lampard. That would be oh, typically Everton, wouldn't it? It'd be an odd <laughs> one. I, and I also saw an article that said that which is bizarre given how the criticism that we have of the board and their timing, but they said that we got probably got Sean Dyche at the right time because now there's the queue of teams that would have been mm. absolutely on the phone to him straight away. So, um, yeah, before we get to our weekly question, I was just looking at the um, at the fixtures this weekend. There's, there's opportunity for us this weekend because it's uh, uh, Palliser at Brentford, uh, Bournemouth are at Wolves, uh, Forrester playing City, West Ham are at Tottenham. Chelsea are playing Southampton at Chelsea. So I mean, there's three points this weekend would would make would give us a, a, a real boost in terms of the the table. Um, so I think you know, we just have to be uh, 
have to be looking at, it, at that from, from that perspective. And as I said at the, in the opening, I mean, you know, we win and we're out the bottom three, regardless of what happens. So that would be a fantastic first step. You're listening to the Toffee Web Podcast. We will uh, move on to our, our weekly question. And a simple one this week, in light of Saturday's opponents, what is your favorite Everton versus Leeds moment? Uh, Andy, why don't you kick us off? Right, I'm going to take you back to uh, my time at university um, when I was uh, in a house um, actually with two girls who didn't like football at all. And one Saturday afternoon, I was jumping up and down. I was so, so happy. Um, and one of my, uh, my my housemates, a girl called Chloe, she said, she just looked at her mate and just said, I feel really sorry for Andy because he's obviously really enjoying something here and there's absolutely nobody that gives a toss. Um, and, and that was because Wayne Rooney had scored at Ellen Road. Um, and it was just when that, when that whole scenario was magical do you remember when, like, when, when he was that young and was just he'd just done the Arsenal thing, and then I think Leeds was his next goal. Is that right? I think it was. Um, and, and right. And it's in just the league anyway. That, yes. Yeah, and it just had that. It just had that that pure magic to it that um, that I don't think I've probably ever experienced again as an Everton fan of of somebody, this young player coming up for the system and kind of pulling up trees and you could just tell, was it Lucas Radaby? It was probably yeah. still on the floor now. Um, <laughs> and he just left him for dead, didn't he? And, and, and it was like, he, I think he, he actually got it off Hibbert, didn't he? I think he got it off the right back and then just went. And it was as if he was playing another sport for the next 30 yards and then just tucked it in the corner. I remember, I remember being like, because I suppose until that point, what was that relatively early Moyes? I, I mean, Watching Everton hadn't been that magical, really, apart from the FA Cup win, which was obviously when I was quite young. Um, but this was when I was kind of at uni, so I was, you know, what was I, 20? Um, it just felt so magic. And um, I think it was, a, it was a brilliant goal. And I remember, um, it was probably in the days of VHS, actually. I remember taping that match of the day. And for the next day, I think I watched our game, like, pretty much on loop. <laughs> Um, it was brilliant, and and that will always be my memory of of Everton versus Leeds. Really, that's so funny what you mentioned about being at university and being around people who have no idea, who who can't sort of you know empathise with your joy. That was the same. That was for that was the case for me. Where uh, the Wimbledon game in '94 and the Cup final in '95. You know, I was running <laughs> around the place, absolutely <laughs> beside myself, and people were looking at me, going, "Is he all right?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but um, that there wasn't didn't that um, that Rooney goal at Ellen Road didn't that end like a forty year stretch where we hadn't won at Ellen Road that made it even more special. Yeah, I think it was fifty two years. It was just forever. Wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, and I think at that point you realised that maybe I mean. I suppose if you if you read into what the club were saying anyway, it was never going to be a one-off. But at that point, you realised, oh, that Arsenal thing wasn't a one-off, was it? This mm-hmm. is, you know, it, this is going to be a thing now. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I love that moment. Um, it was when was it? Uh, Two thousand and 
2. Wow. November 2002. I was having a, I was having quiz quiz flashbacks there, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> asking us where that was. I love the celebration there. There's that that that, that photo, isn't there? When he's jumped, when he's jumped up in there, you see all the fans going wild. It's, that, that's a, that's a he beautiful. actually revealed in an interview recently that they were his mates from Liverpool. His, the the oh, really? people on the front row that he celebrated <laughs> with, they were his friends. That he used to have a kickabout in the street. I think. Yeah. Oh my days. So cool. Wow. I love it even more now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine goes back a little bit further, I think, to um, December '95, and um, Andrei Kinchelskis picked up the ball on the um, what the right on the right sort of touchline, danced through for the other four challenges, and just on his left foot, I think, just smashed it into the corner. It's a really good goal. I think the two 0 win against Leeds. I wasn't at the game then, anything like that. Jim with Everton had this little um, like. Uh, bi-monthly video series called This Is Everton that come out so like, and uh, that was like to, the most easy you could get highlights of all the games so that was, I didn't really see Kinshelskis live ever I don't think um, which is obviously a real shame but yeah that sticks in my mind there's a few others live games which stick in my mind a bit more, uh, as well but I, I don't know but the first goal I think of when I think of Everton Leeds is that goal I just remember thinking like wow he's good <laughs> what a player he is you know and um I was obviously a bit younger then, but uh, yeah, I remember that being an extraordinarily good goal. And he just like, it was almost like, felt so nonchalant and effortless the way he sort of just danced through a few and just unleashed that shot and it went, you know, went in. And yeah, that's the one that sticks into my head. Yeah, it's quite weird that Leeds are such a big club, but in my lifetime, they've actually been outside the top division for half of it because I'm 32 now. And if you think they were gone for 16 years, so... My recollections aren't as, as vivid. The one that is vivid, though, is the Steve Watson hat-trick mm-hmm. um, when he was deployed as a <laughs> as a striker. Um, and it was just the case. I mean, I remember he scored a really good overhead kick at Bolton as well, like a sort of scissor kick. But it was it was just the, the sort of finishes that he had as well. He was, he was really good in that role. And um, it was the fact that, obviously, as I got into football, Leeds had that. So my first game was 96, so Leeds had, like, players like Yeboah at the time, and then a few years later, they got to the Champions League semi-finals. So for us to beat them so convincingly, even though that was when they were they were on the, the downward spiral from the Peter Ridsdale run of the club and, and all that, that was such a big moment for me. And I think special mention as well for the for the four-all draw at Goodison. Mm-hmm. And I think I think David Weir scored a last-minute equaliser. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was just frantic. So it, it's the Steve Watson game, the 4-0, and the four-all that stick in my head. If I had both of them written down in case uh, yeah. in case somebody mentioned it, yeah. <laughs> just in case. But the funny enough, actually, though, what the, the the Steve Watson hat trick actually it was the Duncan Ferguson header, which is in my head from that oh, one because Hibbert yeah. put across and then he just bullied the hell out of uh, Rocky Junior. Was it? He didn't know what he didn't know what the hell was going on that day. There's a great he was picture of Rocky Junior's shirt just being ripped and all the yeah. sevens, like behind <laughs> him. Right. It's really cool. That was that was just a classic classic Duncan Ferguson header. That yeah. wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that, that that was one of mine as well. Yeah, the, uh, the everything Rooney related, unfortunately, has been tarnished for me. Really, by the fact that he left so young, and we never we got we didn't get to see the best of him in a blue shirt. Um, so, yeah. So, given that we are so light on forward options this time again, mine would have been Steve Watson's improbable <laughs> hat trick. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's he actually it's the interesting thing is he wasn't actually deployed as a striker in that game. It was it was Ferguson and Redzinski who were up front, and he could have had. 
in, in addition to the hat trick, he could have had an assist for Radzinski, who, because I, I was watching the goals earlier or the highlights earlier, and Radzinski was cleaned through against Robinson and, and put into the side netting from a from a Watson um, assist, well, which should have been an assist. And um, yeah, the, but the, those 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 goals, I'd forgotten how good the goals were in that match. There, obviously, there was the Hibbert that, that Hibbert cross was brilliant for 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 Dunk to nod that one home, but. Um, Watson's first was a was a thirty yard lob, um, you know his second, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, his first one was a one two with Ferguson. It was a really nice sort of deft touch with the outside of his boot from Dunk. Then there was a thirty yard lob, and then I think his third one was the the one from the, the really tight angle. I think he even surprised himself to, to get the hat trick. Um, so yeah, that would be uh, that would be my one. I think definitely. Oh. I loved that one, and Vidzinski like didn't switch it. He could have headed it in, couldn't he? But like let it go in. It was just like just going past him, wasn't it? <laughs> just yeah. as good of him to let him get let him get the hat trick done. Well, let's hope. Let's hope there's more that on on next team week's pod we can go over again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be nice. Any of those strikers were getting our team now, weren't they? Any of them, Steve Watson included. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, but the interesting thing about that was that he did have the kind of little and large ferguson Radzinski partnership, which is why it's really frustrating that Calvert-Lewin's not available because I think you could have something similar with, with Neil Mopé or even, as you've been saying, El, that, you know, that Damari Gray option. Um, yeah. So, I mean, none of us really know how close or, or, or what's really going on with Calvert-Lewin, but it it seems from what Deitch is saying that he, him and, and the staff seem to have an idea of how to help him through this. I just hope it's sooner rather than later, obviously. Well, that will do us for another week. Thanks to Paul, to Al, to Andy, and of course to you for listening. Look out for us next week when we'll review the game against Leeds and where the Blues stand in the relegation dogfight. If you're going to Goodison on Saturday, make sure you raise the roof and drag the boys over the line to three precious points. Regardless, all the best from us here at Toffeehead, and come on you Blues! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.